0: All right. Okay. Now this is ironic. Look, do you believe in coincidences? Because I believe in kind of God incidences. Okay, more so than coincidences. So yesterday, um, I had to, we I took Pat. Let's see what was the order that we went to eat lunch, and then we went to Vons, and then we went to Home Depot. So uh, so she goes into Home Depot, and I'm in my car on my phone, and, uh, and all of a sudden, pull up next to me are a couple of friends from years and years ago from the other church that I used to pastor, and we started talking and everything, and, and uh, so I, they asked about the church here, and I told them what a cool church it is, a wonderful church, and how neat all of you are except for one or two of you, and... Uh, <laughs> I didn't tell them which ones, and uh, so I, I just was. We were having a good time, and I said, and I, I wondered if they still went to the other church. I said, "Do you still?" They said, "No, we don't. We, we go to uh, David Jeremiah's church and shout them out." I said, "Man, what a great church! That's good. I'm glad you guys go." And it, and the wife said, "Yeah, but we haven't been there the last three weeks," and I said, "Oh, why? Really?" She said, "Yeah, they're preaching on tithing, so we're not. We didn't go the last three weeks." <laughs> so, so if you had known. What I was preaching on today, <laughs> you you may have had something else come up. How many of you have ever been given too much money back at a I don't know a, a restaurant or a store? How many have ever had too much money given to you? All right, and and, and so then the, the question is, what do you do with it? And and someone said, praise the Lord. The preacher said, if I just tithe, God will bless me. And here the Taco Bell gave me too much ten dollars, too much change. Praise God. No. No, that is not how it works. Give the $10 back to the poor cashier or she's going to have to take it out of her meager paycheck, which is probably more than 50 cents an hour. Uh, How many of us have been given too little change back uh, at one of these places? And, And do you just say, oh, that's no big deal. It's no problem. Probably not if it was more than a few cents. You probably said, hey, this is not exactly right. To be shortchanged is to give insufficient money as change when you've purchased something. That's the primary meaning. There's another meaning, a meaning, and the secondary meaning is to be treated unfairly by withholding something of value. And so there is a way that we can shortchange ourselves by shortchanging God. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus' words, as recorded by the apostle Luke, Give and you will receive. Your gift will be returned to you in full, pressed down shaken together to make room for more, running over, and poured out into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. And it has the idea, how many remember bushel baskets? How many of you remember that? And, and you'd fill it up with something and you'd kind of shake the sides because it was flexible and, and it would settle down and you'd put some more in and you could shake it a little bit more and put some more And And it has the idea of filling it completely up, shaking out, getting all the air gaps gone in that bushel and then just piling it on until it, it rolls right off of the edges. It just can't hold any more at all. And that's what Jesus was saying that we're to give in that fashion, give in that manner. And the amount you to give uh, will determine how much you get back. Now the, the church or, or the world tells you all the church wants is your money, right? And you're silly for tithing. You're crazy if you believe what the, teach, the teacher and the preacher says about uh, giving. And times are tough and we need all that we can get for ourselves. All kinds of excuses for not obeying God. And if we listen to them We shortchange ourselves in the end. I know the topic is controversial, but it's the Word of God, and it's in the Word of God many times over, and I'm living on this side. 60 years ago, 60 years ago or so, I started tithing. I'm here to tell you, it absolutely works. It worked in her life. It worked in my life. It'll work in your life. So uh, in Malachi chapter 3, everybody knows that passage. The first point is cheating God. And in one translation, it says, should people cheat God? In the King James, it says, would people rob God? Uh, Robbing is even worse than cheating, and cheating can be robbing. But uh, should people rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you ask, what do you mean? Where did we ever cheat you? Where did we ever rob you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due me, and you are under a curse, for this whole nation has been cheating me. And I know. The primary application in this verse is to Israel. That's, always, that's the primary application. The prophet is speaking, the minor prophet is speaking to the children of Israel. He says, you are under a curse. You've not been faithful to, to me with your tithes and offerings. And so he gives them a command. Bring now all the tithes in the storehouse. There will be room enough in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour you out. A blessing so great, you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. This is the only place where God challenges us to prove him. In the King James, it says, prove me now herewith. And so put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant. I will guard them from insects and disease. I will rebuke the devourer, it says in King James. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before their right, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. And primarily I was reading from the NLT there. Now, if we do not give our tithes to God, and again, the primary interpretation was to the nation of Israel. But I believe there's an application to us today. Someone says, well, preacher, uh, tithing was under the law. And tithing was given to Israel in the law and during the time of the law. And I'm going to show you in a little while why that's not accurate at all. That tithing was before the law. Tithing was incorporated into the law. And tithing was mentioned even after the law. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus himself had something to say about it. Uh, But here we are not supposed to cheat God in giving. And my question to you is, would God require less of us under grace than he required under the law? Would God require love? I mean, does it make any sense that, oh, oh, oh well, uh, now we're under grace, so, you know, we'll just tip God. We'll just give God a little, you know, we'll throw him if we have something left at the end of the week. I-, I don't think so. Ultimately, we are cheating ourselves if we don't put God first in our finances in addition to the other things we put God first in, in our lives. We, are put, a- we put ourselves under a curse. We shut up the windows of heaven. We stay the abundant blessings of God. We stunt our growth. Look, if I can trust God for everlasting life, if I can trust God to take me to heaven, provide my needs forever and ever and ever, if I can trust God to take me through the portal that we call death, that he calls sleep for the child of God, if I can trust God for eternity, then why can't I trust God for my needs and meeting my needs in this life and doing things the way that God says? We, We contend with things that devour our resources, I can tell you story after story after. I told you last week that the vehicles we had purchased and not had to, not being in debt, didn't want to go in debt, want to be debt free. Which, by the way, we've got a we've got a Freedom University Financial Freedom University class starting up here. Two of them uh, in March. I think March the, I can't remember the dates exactly. One of them's on Sunday morning starting I think the twentieth, and then the other one's on a Thursday night. So I want you to sign up for those uh, if you'd like to participate. How to be debt free. But we contend with things that devour our resources because we're not faithful to God. The old joke is, you know, so-and-so's in the hospital. What's he having surgery for? He's having his tithe removed. Uh, that, that's, the, that's the old preacher joke. You guys don't hear that unless you hang around preachers. Uh, but we, things that devour. Uh, we had cars that they, sh- we shouldn't, they shouldn't have run. <laughs> they shouldn't have run as long as they did. They certainly shouldn't have run as, as carefree and worry-free as they did. Because God has rebuked the things that devour a lot of people's resources. And if we're not practicing good stewardship, management over what God's given to us, then we are not blessed. And the word blessed means happy. And and that's a fact. Second point here, proving God. In Malachi chapter 3, he says, prove me now herewith. Test me. Try me. See if I won't do what I have said. No one has to twist my arm or Pat's arm uh, to get us to give. Because we've experienced (coughs) the proof of what he has said. And my question to you is, have you experienced that? Have you experienced God's overwhelming, uh, abundant provision (coughs) as you put God first in your giving, in your tithing? If you're not, as Dr. Phil would say, how's that working for you? How's that working for you? Where else in the word of God does God challenge you to test him and try him in this matter? But again, he says in Luke chapter six, "Given it will be given to you in full." And if we believe the word of God, if we believe Christ and His words, then we ought to be we ought to be so faithful. We ought to just say, "Okay," and I understand it's it's difficult at first. I go back to when I first started tithing. I was a sophomore in high school, and I started going to this uh, Baptist church, and. Uh, and the preacher started talking about tithing. I didn't know what tithing was. I didn't know if it was tithing or tithing. I didn't know what that was. Uh, but uh, he got up and started talking about it. And I thought, holy cow, 10%, are you kidding me? I'm not I was making a lot more money. I was making like a dollar five cents an hour. Uh, and so I thought, you know, I, how can I possibly tithe? That's like, that's like a whole dime uh, of every dollar. You know, we laugh at it now because that doesn't seem like much. But it, I remember going through that, and it's like, oh. So you know what? The preacher couldn't convince me to do it, but the Holy Spirit of God convicted me about it. And so I I remember when I got home, uh, the first time after I decided, you know what, I'm going to put God to the test. I'm going to see if he really does it. And I got out my paycheck stub, and there's what I made, and there's what uh, they took out for withholding, and there's what they took out for FICA. I didn't even order a a FICA, but they, they charged me for it. Anyhow, and so that little bit that's left over, I remember uh, I remember, on the net, not the gross, baby steps, right? I, on the net, I, I took 10% of that amount there and carried it out to the third decimal. And if it was five or more, I rounded it up a penny. If it was five or four or less, I rounded it, I kept it down a penny on the net. That was my first venture into tithing. You know what? God blessed. And I said, you know, this is working. And I preached preach, some more on it. And he talked about being generous, give, and it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, abundantly give. And I thought, you know, I don't feel like I'm abundantly giving. And besides that, I'm not giving 10% of the gross. I'm not really giving the first 10%. I'm giving the first 10% to Uncle Sam. And I believe in paying our taxes, but I don't believe we ought to give God's money to Uncle Sam. And so I started then tithing on the gross amount, that first line Carrying out still to the third digit, rounding up five and above, rounding down four or below. And that got so much, so fun, I started throwing in extra money in the tithe part. And and then, you know, about the time I figured out that, you know, I think I'm okay on this tithing thing, now he started talking about missions. And he brought up Malachi 3 where it says the tithes and offerings. And then somewhere I did a study on this to check out the preacher, and I invite you to do so to see if I'm telling you the truth or not. And I found out that the Jewish people had three tithes. Not one, three tithes. One of them went to the temple. One was for what we would call government and and all that. And the third one, I don't remember what it was for, but it was once every three years on the third tithe. So they were given like 25%. Well, we give taxes. We give a lot more than 25% 25% if you talk your, about your tithes and taxes because uh, we have such uh, efficient people in Congress uh, running the government. And so, so, so we began giving. So uh, in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, this is one of the scriptures that helped me to be more generous. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Look, do not tithe because well, Pastor Bates says I have to tithe. I guess I'm going to tithe because Pastor Bates says we have to. Don't give because Pastor Bayes tells you to give. Give, not reluctantly, not in response to pressure, for God loves those who give cheerfully. In the King James, God loves a cheerful giver. And look at the promise. There's a promise connected to it. If we give generously, we sow abundantly, God will generously provide all you need. I will tell you, God has provided everything we have needed plus, way more than just basic necessities then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. One of the purposes God has in giving you an abundance is so that you can help others who don't have the abundance. So you can help others who need help. So you can uh, give and be faithful to God and give to people who are in need. So so I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but how many would rather have a small crop or a generous crop? Duh. How much seed have you been planting? How silly would it be for a farmer who has, say, 100 acres to go down to Home Depot and buy a a, a package of seeds and go out and sow one package of seeds on 100 acres? How silly would it be for him then to expect to reap on the entire 100 acres? Give. Give abundantly. Give cheerfully. If you do, God says in his word, all your needs will be met. You single people, you younger adults, you young married adults, Put God first in your finances. Put God first in, in, in every part of your life. Third point is this, blaming the right person. Whose fault is it if I don't have my needs provided? Whose fault is it if I have a tiny harvest or no harvest at all? Whose fault is it if, if I can't be generous and help some kids get their basic necessities of food in Karachi, Pakistan, or help the Moads in Thailand reach some people with a God. How, whose fault is it if I don't have a nickel to give to those who are less fortunate? It's not God's fault. It is our own fault. We have shortchanged ourselves by not obeying God and tithing and giving to the Lord. I know I know some people are going to say, and, and by the way, my heart goes out to the military. I have no idea how military... Are able to pay rent in Southern California, especially on the island of Coronado. I have no idea. You guys and gals deserve so much more than you're getting. Uh, and I know it's tough in the military. I know it's tough as a student. Some of you are students. And how in the world can can I tithe, preacher? I'm a student. Um, well, let me share. When I was a student uh, at college, I went to two years of secular college before I went to uh, Bible college, went to the University of Illinois, uh, went to uh, Joliet. and um, And at that point, I was making it $2 an hour, $2 an hour. And I was working full-time when I got to BBC, working 40-hour a week, going to Baptist Bible College full-time. When Pat and I got married, we had two school bills to pay. We had rent to pay. We had food to buy uh, and uh, whatever else we needed for car repairs or clothing or whatever else. Our church had, and we were tithing, our church had what what they call a faith promise missions plan. And the faith promise mission plan was that you pray about what God wants you to do for missions above your tithe. You pray about it. And, and if God gives you an amount, then you, you give that by faith. You give that without knowing necessarily how you're going to make that. But you give it by faith. And so we were, we were working. I was working 40-hour a week. I think you were working about 20 or so, 20 24 hours a week. Uh, she was making $1.65. I was making $2 an hour. We were tithing. We had taxes to come out, rent and food and all of those things. But we determined uh, behind the 10% tithe, we were going to give $5 a week to missions. And, again, that doesn't sound like a whole lot. Back then, under the circumstances, that was a whole lot. And we did it. Now, you do the math. $2 an hour, $1.65 an hour for, half, half, uh, for a 20-hour week. And we were tithing, paying our school bills, paying our rent, paying our food. We were I was a lot thinner at that point in time. So there are benefits to not having as much money to buy food on. When we got to, okay, I always get this wrong. When we got to Illinois, what was our food budget? Okay, when we were in Pueblo with, we had a baby now, we had Shannon, it was $10 one week for groceries, $15 the next week. Huh? Then back to 10. That was our budget. That was our budget, 10, 20, 30, 50 dollars a month for food, for three people. Of course, it was in 1762. Uh, <laughs> so some of you are thinking, oh, yeah, that was back before the Great War, you know? Uh, no, it really wasn't. So So we, so well, it got worse because when we graduated, And we were hired on at our first church as youth pastor and secretary. I told you last week, we were making up $100 a week. That was for both of us. $100 a week. She was working full-time. I was working full-time. Our rent was $100 a month. Now, our rent was more. So 25% of it was gone right there. Our tithes and missions, I mean, we're right at 50% already of what we made. And we... The fact is, there's no way we could have made it. But here we are. Here we are. Living proof. If you want to touch us after church, we will. (laughs) Living proof. God said, prove me now here with. We said, you know what? We're just dumb enough, simple enough. We're going to trust God. And God proved himself to us. I remember my dad coming to visit when we were youth pastor uh, in Taylorville, Illinois. And by then, I I had been through six years of college. He said, you've gone to six years of college and you're making a dollar an hour? I said, Dad, just wait. Just wait. God's not finished yet. (laughs) And God wasn't finished yet. What God has done for us beyond our ability convey accurately. It's beyond your ability to believe probably God has taken care of us for these almost 50 years of our marriage now. And we'll continue to do so. We have every assurance of that. So point number four on your outline, making the right decision. It is time to decide if we're going to trust God or not. In Genesis 14, 20, when Abram went off to battle uh, the kings uh, of Sodom and, and brought back Lot, his nephew, and all that was lost, and, and and he won that battle. The Bible says Abram, before he was named Abraham, Abram gave Melchizedek, the priest, a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. That was before the law was given. In Genesis 28, 20, then Jacob made a vow, this is before the law. If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will certainly be my God. He's, he's putting, he said, God, you take care of me. I will worship you. I will trust you. <coughs> and this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshiping you, and I will, listen, I will present to you a tenth of everything that you give me. Tithing before." The law was giving, given hundreds of years before the law was given. Jesus said in Matthew 23, 23, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. <clears throat> so he was saying, you Pharisees, you you make it a practice to, to keep the laws, and you do it so meticulously, if you get a little harvest from your herb garden, you give 10% of the herbs that you harvest from your herb garden. Now, I don't think about herb gardens, but usually they're like little bitty like dishes, and people have, and I've got sage here, and I've got thyme here, and I've got rosemary over here, you know, and they pick out a little and put it on their salad. But I don't know if that's accurate, but that's what I think about. And, and you, you tithe on that little bitty amount, but you ignore the most important aspects of the law justice, mercy, and faith. Now, here is how he sums this all up. He said, You should tithe, yes. But do not neglect the more important things. So the what? Tithe is ten percent of the gross whenever we're paid. Before taxes, before rent and food, before anything else. Otherwise, we're practicing idolatry. The when? On the first day of the week, first Corinthians chapter sixteen, verses one and two became the time when collections were received for the Christians. The where? To the local church, the local storehouse. The why? Because it brings God's blessings, the who, to every one of us to whom the Bible's written, the how, cheerfully, generously, obediently, not reluctantly, not out of pressure. And I got news for you. God doesn't need the money. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, right? The hills are his too. The wealth in every mine, it all belongs to him. Truth is, I need his blessings and so do you. Church can't operate without God's people being faithful. Missionaries can't go to the foreign field. Believe it or not, countries do not send them money so they can travel over to evangelize them. We have to bring that up, and we have to raise that for missionaries so they can go with the gospel. So my question to you, my challenge to you is not even nearly as much of a challenge as as he made is, will you trust him? Will you try it? For several years at the other church, I, I did. I don't. I'm not doing this right now, okay? Because, but several years, because uh, every every January I hit this. Right? Every January, you guys who came from you know every January, it's like I probably had people who said, hey, "We're not going in January." Because, yeah, you know. I'm sure this couple I saw, yeah, we're not going in January. But but I would hit and and I. I think I mentioned this last year or the year before, but I, I didn't follow through on it. I used to give a 90-day money-back guarantee. Did I mention that here? 90-day uh, money-back guarantee, and I'd had a little certificate prepared, and you know we'd sign it and say, if you don't feel like God bless you and in, uh, in your tithing after 90 days, you come and ask for it. No questions asked, we will give you, we'll refund your tithe. I'm not sure that was a real good thing to do, but I did it. All right. <laughs> I did it often. There's a lot of weird things I do that are not necessarily good things, but I do them anyhow. My wife usually points them out later on. But anyhow, so all the years I did that, I had one guy come up one time and say, "Pastor, I, I you know that money back guarantee?" I said, "Yeah." I said, uh, "Well, I'd, I'd uh, like to, uh, I'd like to get our tithes back." I said, "Okay, um, fine." I said, uh, I'll have this secretary, financial secretary, figure out what you, know, what you gave, and she'll write a refund check. I said, I know it's supposed to be no questions asked, but can I ask you a question? <laughs> he said, well, I said, uh, what happened that you don't feel like God blessed you during that time of tithing? He said, oh, that's not it at all. My wife just said, hey, go get the money back. <laughs> he said, I don't know whether God blessed us or not, but she said, go get the money back, so that's why I'm here. So I quit doing that, <clears throat> quit offering that. Uh, th- that guarantee. 1 Corinthians 4, 2, a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. A steward must be faithful. In 2 Corinthians 8, wish I had time to go into that, the churches of Macedonia gave out of their deep poverty. You don't have to have a lot. See, that's the beauty of tithing. A guy who makes, a, a lady who makes 50 cents an hour and tithes, is just as faithful as someone who makes $500 an hour and tithes. In fact, there was a lady who gave all she had, two mites, and we remember her to this day. It's not the amount. It's the faithfulness with what God gives to us. And the poorest student can be as faithful a steward as the richest person in the country. And it's been my experience that a lot of times, more faithful, more faithful. People who have very little understand. And these churches in Macedonia gave out of their deep poverty. They gave because they understood the incredible gift of God's grace to them. Being born in this country, if there were no other reason, is reason enough for me to be faithful with what God's given to me. They gave with overflowing, abundant joy. They gave liberally, not simply tossing a few coins in the basket, they gave willingly without having to be begged or coerced. And on the contrary, they actually, you read this passage, they actually begged Paul for the privilege of being part of this work and giving to these needy Christians. And last of all, they, in their giving, they had their giving in the right order because the Bible says they first gave themselves to the Lord. Now, look, if you never give a nickel or a penny, to any church ever, it is imperative you give your soul, your heart, your mind, your life to God. Because this life will be over for you one day, and when it is, there's eternity. And I, I, I would rather you never give a penny, but give your heart to the Lord and receive his wonderful gift of eternal salvation. I would rather you do that than to give a million dollars to this church. I mean that with all my heart. I'd rather I'd rather one person go to heaven when they die than to give a million dollars to any church anywhere. Would you bow your heads, please, every head bowed? I don't know whether God's spoken to your heart about this or not, but i am tell you what, anytime I preach on it, he speaks to my heart about it. And the Bible tells me to declare the whole counsel of God, the whole word of God, and I try to do that. I don't try to pick things and hobby horse them and just... And so once a year, I mention the tithing. Once a year, I teach on the tithing because it revolutionized my life financially. We have never, ever, ever been able to outgive God, neither will you. But most importantly, have you given your life, your eternity to God? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior? If you'd like to do that, you can do that right where you're seated. You can pray something like this, and I invite you to do so. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I don't deserve to go to heaven. I know I've broken so many of your laws. But I believe that Jesus Christ is your Son. Uniquely so. And I believe he suffered and died on the cross of Calvary. I believe he was buried in in a rich man's tomb. And I believe three days later, according to scriptures, he rose again from the dead. And he lives forevermore. And I believe you when you've said, if we'll confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus. And believe in our heart that you have raised him from the dead that we can be saved for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I'm asking you, Lord, save me today. Forgive me of my sin today. Wash me clean today. I trust you for eternal life. Every head still bowed. I will not embarrass anyone, but every head bowed. If you just now prayed that prayer, and you, were sincere as you can be, would you lift your hand up real high? Hold it up real high. Preacher, I just prayed that prayer. I meant it with all my heart. God bless you. Thank you. you can put your hand down. Anyone else? Anyone else? Put it up real high. I just prayed that prayer, preacher. I meant it. That's the most important thing anyone can ever do. Father, I thank you. I thank you for those who trusted you and those who are trusting I thank you Lord for the Holy Spirit that convict us of what we need to do and what we ought to be Lord I pray that same Holy Spirit that convicted my dear wife as a young girl convicted me as a young boy of putting you first in finances in every area of our lives because that came before we gave our lives to you that came before Going to Bible college and being in ministry, that came a long time before. So, Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would convict people here and that we would put you first in this area as well as every other one. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? In a moment, we're going to sing an invitation hymn. Fitz, would you mind coming and praying with any men who want to come and, and ask your prayers? And, Rachel, if you could. Be over here, and my wife is right here as well, ladies. Bible says, prove me now herewith. Test me. Try me. So the next two Sundays, February 3rd, February 10th, we're going to challenge you. People get paid different times. We're going to challenge you to tithe. What if everybody at First Baptist Church were faithful in giving their tithes? What could we do? of the cause of Christ. What more could we do? What more blessings could you have? So I'm going to challenge you. The Word of God, challenge, the ultimate challenge. I'm going to challenge you. Pray about it together. If you're married, pray with your spouse. If, if you're not, you just get alone with the Lord and ask Him if He wants you to try Him. He wants you to try it. February the 3rd, February the 10th, all tithe Sundays, see what we could do to the glory of God. Right now, as we sing, if you'd like to come and ask for prayer, if you'd like to come join the church, you want to be baptized. We've got baptism coming up next Sunday morning after the service. Lots of things. If you need prayer, you come ahead as our praise team leads us right now. So,
1: I come to you for I
0: know you Step out right now. Don't wait. Be the first one, be the only one,
1: be the first of many. Come on right now.
0: message like that. Uh, I know that, but thank you for being here. Thank you for paying attention. I want to give you a couple of announcements, and I challenge you, just try God. Whatever God says he'll do, he'll do. I promise you that, and more importantly, he does. Monday, Ronald McDonald, any further instructions? Rachel? All right. All right. Four o'clock? Four o'clock. All right. Thank you all for participating in that. If you didn't get to sign up for the February 10th, uh, Potluck, are the are the sign-up sheets in the back or where are they right now? Do we know? They're in the back? Okay. Put them on the one of those tables there, please. And if you didn't sign up, get, get a chance, please do so. Uh, Friday, ladies, Bible study, 10 a.m. right here. Uh, Saturday, men's breakfast at 8 o'clock right here. If you want to help cook and set up, come a little bit earlier than that. Next Sunday morning, adult Bible study, 845 in this room to my left. And church at 10 o'clock, we're going to pre- starting a, a series on the Big Ten. Ten Commandments. And the first one, no other gods. No other gods. Uh, and we'll have a baptism after the, uh, the service. We will not have communion because we are having baptism. And that will be the, the highlight of that, that particular service. Uh, All tithes Sunday, February 3rd and February the 10th. And... Uh, March the 17th will be the first Sunday morning, Financial Peace University. So you'll need to take a, a connection card and sign up, say, put uh, Financial Freedom University or Dave Ramsey or Financial Seminar or whatever you remember. Just put your name and your phone number and write that on a, con- a connection card. And turn it into the offering box at the back, and we'll contact you with any other details. You will need a book. There's a book that you purchase for that. Um, and then uh, on the Thursday night, it'll be the thirty, the twenty-first will be the first one. And how many weeks is that, John? Nine weeks. It's a nine-week course, and uh, it'll be. I'm telling you, it is awesome. I challenged my uh, grandchildren, my two of them so far, to read uh, a financial makeover, and and I paid them handsomely. <laughs> I will not do the same for you. However, I paid them handsomely to read because I think it'll make a huge difference. And Dave Ramsey does discuss good stewardship in there with his other uh, excellent materials so, and how to be debt-free. So if you're having trouble with finances, you should sign up for one of those classes for sure. Uh, and if you don't want to have trouble with finances, you should sign up also. Monica, would you come and share with us what we're gonna, you're going to be doing right after the service here? And um, and then I think another date you've got planned also. So tell us about that. We have a microphone. This is Bobby's microphone.
1: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Oh, uh, you can sit down. <laughs> okay, so this all started up really quickly. Um, I'm part of a ministry called TLC Ministry, I'm Totally Living for Christ. And what we do is we go to nursing homes and we go feed the homeless sometimes and we go to orphanages in Tijuana and we provide for them. Um, now, when pastor was asking hey let's um help around the church more let's start something sign up for things then donna and i were like oh let's um go to a nursing home we we want to spread love we want to show god's love and i called julie up and julie's like let's do it let's do it right now we're going to call the pastor we're going to set something up so now all of a sudden there's a convalescent ministry. And I hope you guys are so excited as much as I am. And this is what we do. We go to nursing homes, and we spread God's love. We go, we read a newspaper to them, we share the gospel to them, we paint fingernails, we we sing. Rachel was there one year with us two years ago. Um, we went, we sang, we danced. We um, They start bobbing their heads. They start dancing with us on fingernails. Ms. Donna said that she could do massages. And it's just an amazing feeling to see so many shining faces. Um, People in the nursing homes, convalescent homes, retirement homes, they don't get a lot of visitation. They don't get visitors. Um, And another reason why I've been so active in visiting nursing homes is because my aunt, was actually beat up at a nursing home by one of the nurses. So the more active we are and the more we go, they're just being provided for. Today is a beautiful day, and we're going to make handmade Valentine cards. um, Right after service, if somebody can help me take some chairs, tables out, we're going to make homemade Valentine cards. We're going to take that to Coronado Retirement Nursing Home, or sorry, Coronado Village, retirement home on February 10th at 3 p.m. So after the potluck, after you eat, we go straight to the nursing home at 3 Well, I think you have time to take a nap. Meet us, meet <laughs> us at Coronado, and you're just going to see God working in us and God working in them. If you do not have time to stay today, that's fine. Go home and make some Valentine cards. Bring them back next week. Bring them back on the 10th. And if you can't make it, it's okay. Just pray. Just pray for our new ministry. And hope to see you guys there. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Monica. Every member a minister. And I didn't realize that was why this got kicked off, but that's cool to know. And, and that's the theme for this year. What is your ministry? If you don't have one, be thinking of one, or Monica will get you into the convalescent ministry, or Rachel will get you into the Ronald McDonald, or something's going to happen. And something else happened. I sat down. My wife says, I'd like to say something to everybody. Could I say something? I, s- I said, no, no, you can't. <laughs> I said, absolutely, you can say something.
2: Hi there. Um. I grew up in a very small church in a military town, army, and we had our pastors came and went very quickly. And I remember one business meeting we were I was in as a young teenager, and the there was a new pastor coming, and the um, pay was going to be that the pastor and his would make fifty dollars a week, and his family would live in an apartment in the back of the church. When my husband was growing up. He went to a small mission church, and his pastor was a full-time carpenter and a pastor in addition. When God put our lives together, and I knew I was going to marry a pastor, I thought, no problem. We make $50 a week and live in an apartment in the back of the church, because I thought that's how it worked. And he thought, he was saying, um, yes, I'll pastor, and I'll probably have to have a full-time job in addition. God didn't choose that for us, but that's what we signed up for as far as we knew. He told you the story about his dad um, who, after he had been to college for six years, was not overly impressed with how his um, job was turning out. He didn't mention that he was an associate pastor, he was a youth director, he was a bus minister, And one day a week, he was a janitor. And his dad was particularly unimpressed that he'd been to college for six years and was cleaning toilets. And he did tell him, just wait, Dad. It'll be okay. Time went on. Life went on. We grew up some. God blessed us immeasurably. And his parents moved from Illinois to California. His dad... um, Had a business, and after as time went on, he couldn't manage the physical um, building of cabinets and things like he did. And he retired, but he retired, and it became apparent that he needed a little source of extra income. And he asked Jim, Do you have anything at the church I could do? And there happened to be a spot on the maintenance staff for a part time maintenance worker, and his dad was working for him god blessed us and has blessed us and everything he says about tithing i am 100 percent behind and god you cannot outgive the lord
0: let's stand we'll be dismissed in a word of prayer our father in heaven thou art a great god you're not only all powerful you're all wise and in your wisdom, you've established how you want us to live and what you want us to do, who you want us to be. Father, I pray that as we leave these this building, this incredible place today, that we'd realize the mission field lies right outside these doors. Our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world, they're all out there. People need the Lord. God, I pray that you'd help every one of our members to be a, a minister of some kind and that all of us would be evangelists taking the gospel story. If we go to restaurants, that we'd plant the seed with the waitresses. If we go home in our neighborhoods, that we'd talk to our neighbors about you. God, give us revival here at First Baptist Church. Lord, help us to be the light that you want us to be. Thank you for everyone here today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of the Lord's day. Thank you for being God's house.